Last week we discussed our need as humans in relationship to the creation, the fall, and then redemption. And this is where we left off here talking about our need as seen, seen in redemption. As long as sin dwells within us, there will be always some aspect of spiritual blindness. I think the bell rang right about this time. So I want to jump right into this and talk about Matthew 7, 5. You don't need to look it up. But if you recall, this is where Christ talks about seeing the speck that's in our brother's eye while the beam is bulging out of our eye. And in that context, two things talking about the characteristics of if we're going to relate to others and talk to others about their need and be also on the other side of that and be the ones who are receiving the help from other people. And two things that we need to think about, two characteristics that need to be common in us. The first one here is courage, the courage to lovingly and humbly and patiently help others see what they need to see. And then the second one is humility. Us as the recipients of it, being humble enough that we will be not defensive, I guess, when somebody approaches us. That also causes us to thank God that he would send somebody to help us. And those things, both of those things, I think are not common. So the next question is, where do we go next here? There's three questions that really They form a basis for any kind of growth and transformation that we're going to have in our lives. And we have to answer these three questions biblically. This is key. Like, this is extremely important. This is still, we're in like the foundation of what we're trying to accomplish here this semester here. So the first question that I would encourage you to think about, and we'll address these more thoroughly. But the first one, why do people do the things that they do? And to answer this, we we have to have a biblical theology about human motivation, about why people are doing the the things that they're doing. So what does the Bible say causes people to think the things that they think, to want the things that they want, and then also to do the things that they do? The second question is, how does lasting change take place in a person's heart? When we see someone doing something wrong or when we see a sinful behavior, You know, we obviously want to see change, but what does the Bible say is actually going to cause real change? And that's a key that we'll address. Then finally, how can I be an instrument of change in that person's life? We're going to need to have like a biblical methodology for how how we're going to actually help these people and the right way to help these people. Let's start here talking about the heart is the target. And as we move through this, starting in chapter four, this is chapter four of the book. There's three things that we want to consider. These are kind of concepts and objectives for where we're going here. The first thing we need to understand to help others and to help them understand is that the heart, as the Bible talks about the heart, the heart actually shapes and controls the way that we behave. On a personal level here, then we need to see, and I need to see, I need to identify what effectively and functionally rules my heart. So in any given situation, we have to ask ourselves, stop, and this is being self-aware. We need to ask ourselves, what, what's ruling my heart in this situation? What's causing me to act this way? What's causing me to respond this way? And then the last one there, as it relates to others, I must be com- committed to be an instrument of heart not just behavior change, but heart change in the lives of those around me. And I'll explain, explain in a moment here what I'm talking about here, that phrase, not just behavior change. So first, let's look, go ahead and if you would, turn to Luke 6.43. There's a word picture here in Luke 6 that Christ gives us, and he gives us a perspective on how people function. In other words, why they do the things that they do. So as we go back to that first question, why do they do the things that they do? Christ addresses this here. So the way that we function, the way that we we operate is like a tree. Plant an apple seed and what are you going to get? Apples. 
So when you're dealing with a plant, there's that organic connection between the roots of the plant, as pictured here on the screen, but there's an organic connection between the roots of the, the plant and then the fruit. And the same is true with people. The fruit is the word picture for behavior. Christ says, our words are literally our heart overflowing. It's not people or our situations that makes us say the things that we say or do the things that we do. Our words and our actions are shaped and controlled by our hearts. So just as a fruit is what the tree produces, our behaviors and words are what the heart produces. And the question here is then, so like what does that have to do with discipleship? Oftentimes, the illustration that he gave in the book, I think, was kind of humorous, but it's kind of how we deal with, with people sometimes. The way that we address things and the way that we deal with people is almost like fruit stapling. So imagine that you have an apple tree in your backyard and you don't want apples on it anymore, you want peaches. And so you go to the farmer's market and you buy peaches and then you bring them back home and you take a stapler or tape and you tape them or staple them to the tree. And then when you're all done, you step back and you look at it and you're like, ha, a peach tree. That's ridiculous. And as ridiculous as that sounds, a lot of times we want to deal that way with people. We have a behavior in our life or we see a behavior in somebody else's life and we don't like the way that that behavior is or that whatever it is, that fruit is. And so we have this mentality, this response where it's like, sin is bad, so don't do it. I don't like this, so I'm going to stop doing this now. And that kind of view, really, it fails to examine the way that God views the heart and the way that God views heart change. Because even if I do have that behavior, I put in place some sort of like, all right, I'm not going to do this anymore. How many times have you determined I'm not going to do this anymore? And like three days later, three hours later, <laughs> three minutes later, you do it. All you did was fruit stapling. You weren't addressing the heart. We weren't addressing the heart with somebody. And, all, and two, now you're already thinking, some of your, your head, you're thinking, like, man, that's going to take some time. Because if I want a different tree there, what do you got to do? You got to dig out the roots. I got to dig out the whole thing. Even if there was a way to cut it off at like the stump and like somehow plant another tree inside of it, the problem is the roots are still the same tree. And again, if we want to change behavior in the heart, then we have to get to the root of the matter. So the heart is the real issue here. And then the fundamental question then is that we have to ask, what's ruling the heart? And you may be thinking, I, I understand what the Bible says about the heart and how it controls behavior, but maybe when I'm working with somebody, I don't nece necessarily know what I'm looking for as I examine the heart. And this next passage will actually help with this. If you wanna to turn to Ezekiel 14, one through five, as you read this, I want you to look for the answer to this question. What does God say or what does the word of God say? What's truly wrong with these men who come and speak? The leaders of Israel come, they come to the prophet because they have some questions that they want to ask God. And as they approach God, there, there's a recognition here that something is wrong with them. So the question, what, what's wrong with these men? Okay, there's something wrong, right? There's something wrong with their heart, right, Jen? There's an idol there. And if you notice... The kind of idolatry that's talked about here, this is idolatry in their hearts. This is different than like cultural or religious idolatry. This isn't like I have an idol, an idol that's sitting there. He actually calls this, this is idolatry in the heart. How would you describe what an idol in the heart is? You know, it's really anything that rules the heart. 
Anything that rules the heart, okay? So anything that, that, that rules us other than God. Now, notice God's response here in this passage. Because you have idolatry in your hearts, I'm going to answer you in keeping with your great idolatry. God's saying here, because you have idols in your heart, the only thing I want to talk about here is idolatry. I don't want to talk about all the other stuff that you want to talk about when you come here. We got to deal with this first. The principle then is whatever rules your heart will exercise inescapable influence over your life and over your behaviors. By way of illustration, let's say that there's a man who's controlling and damages relationships. Biblical instruction on communication and conflict resolution isn't going to fix his problem. Why? Because as long as he has that desire for control, the desire to reign as sovereign in his world, he'll just take those principles and skills that he's learned and have greater control over the people around him. Or maybe someone that you know is dealing with an addiction. That person goes out and reads a blog that says, follow these steps, exercise 30 minutes a day, discover a new hobby like reading, write down harmful effects that this addiction has on your life. That's not going to change anything in that person's heart. That's just going to make that person a healthier, more knowledgeable addict. So the next question then is, how do the principles of this passage apply to growth and ministry? You follow this line of thinking here. First, our hearts are always being ruled by someone or something. Therefore, the most important question to ask when examining the heart is, what is effectively and functionally ruling this person's heart in this situation? Then whatever controls my heart will control my reactions and my responses to the people and situations in my life. The way God changes us is to recapture our hearts to serve Him alone. And the deepest issue of human struggle are not the issues of pain and suffering, the things that we think are most important. The deepest issue is worship. What really is ruling my heart? Because what rules my heart will control the way that we respond both to suffering and to blessing in our lives. So what's the bottom line here? Paul actually makes it very simple for us in Romans 1.25. He calls idolatry a great exchange. According to Paul, what have we done here? What have we exchanged? We've exchanged the worship and service of the Creator for the worship and service of the creation. The root of sin in our hearts is that we love creation more than our Creator. When we make this exchange, the result is that we don't do or live the way that God's called us to live. The next passage we want to consider is Matthew 6, 19-24. The word Christ uses here is treasure. Three principles that he addresses here. The first one is that everyone lives for some sort of treasure. Second one, whatever your treasure is will control your heart. The phrase, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And the third thing there, whatever controls your heart controls your behavior. The phrase, no one can serve two masters. So at this point, you might be thinking, I know that heart change is the goal, but it seems impossible, especially with the people that I'm working with, to know what their heart is. I can only see that person's behavior. I can't look into their heart. Word of God actually says it is possible for us to know what that person is thinking. Hebrews 4, 12 through 13 addresses this. Summary, the Bible says it's the Word of God is like a scalpel. It can cut through all the layers and expose our hearts. And the encouragement here for those trying to disciple others is that you may not be able to see the person's heart, but Scripture ultimately is going to expose it to you. Because of that, the Scriptures, not our opinions, not our standard, that some standard that we've set up, or not some system, but the Bible needs to be the central tool for growth and ministry. It alone can expose and analyze where change needs to take place in our hearts. 
So if we're going to be committed to personal growth and change, we must be committed to a biblical examination of the heart. And that's where we'll be looking next week.